Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. This week, I'm joined by Dan Herms. He's Vice President of Research and Development for the Davy Tree Expert Company, and we're talking all about the effect of climate change on trees. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. When thinking about climate change in all the research you've done, was there a time, an epiphany early on where you realized something is changing? I think that my first awareness of climate change came in 1988. I was a PhD student at Michigan State University and I was studying the effects of drought stress on tree resistance to bronze birch borer. And 1988, um, many people may recall, was extremely hot, extremely dry year, severe drought, and it, and it triggered a natural outbreak of bronze birch borer in the Great Lakes that killed, you know, 20% of the, the birch trees. And, um, you know, about that time too, um, NASA scientists began testifying to Congress about, you know, the impacts of, of climate change and increasing carbon dioxide concentrations in the atmosphere and kind of all of those things really converged to, um, you know, to, to kind of trigger my awareness on the topic. And in the early 90s, as a postdoc, I started studying the effects of elevated carbon dioxide atmospheres on on tree insect interactions. And it's just kind of has has gone from there. Well, I remember that summer uh, living near Kent, Ohio, where, uh, you know, the Davy offices are and having well water <laughs> and very worried about watering my trees and watering my garden on you know, during that drought. So since then, what have you seen uh, as far as, as a, a change as we've moved forward here and, and climate change has become a, a big issue for, for all of us? So the climate has warmed steadily. Um, the average surface temperature of the earth has increased a little more than two degrees Fahrenheit since 1900, but most of that warming has occurred since 1980. And it's, it's been very steady, uh, you know, with some natural, you know, ups and downs, but a, a, a steady increase. And, you know, over those last 40 years, there's been some very dramatic changes in our weather and our climate system. So when I was an undergraduate horticulture student at Ohio State University, for example, Ohio was a hardiness zone five, which means that the minimum winter temperatures were between minus 10 and minus 20 Fahrenheit. Well, since then, Ohio has become a zone six state. So the winters are getting warmer. Um, in Ohio, the precipitation has increased, but in other parts of the country, it become dramatically drier. So a mega drought, for example, occurring um, over the last decade or so in the Western United States. And that's led to massive tree mortality, bark beetle outbreaks. Um, 
But in the Northeast United States, for example, there's the increased precipitation has led to uh, increased forest productivity and, and tree growth as the growing season has gotten longer, carbon dioxide has increased, uh, precipitation has increased, um, but there's winners and losers. The Northern adapted trees, spruce trees, white pines are becoming stressed and, and the more Southern oaks and, and maples are, are winning, other trees are, are losing. And that's kind of going to be a, a pattern. Yeah, so talk a little bit about the winners and losers. Why? Why are why are these trees winners or losers? Do we know? Well, the winners are adapted to the warmer temperatures and wetter temperatures. And so, you know, in areas where they were limited by those factors, their growth is increasing. The losers, you know, the story varies depending on species, but trees that are losing the most tend to be at the southern limit of their distribution. For example, birch in Michigan, not toler tolerant of heat, not tolerant of drought, and it's experiencing more of those kind of conditions. White pine in New England is experiencing increased disease pressure because of the increased precipitation and humidity. So foliar needle diseases, um, canker diseases, so changing climate can upset the ph uh, phenology of pollination and seedling establishment. Uh, you know, these kind of things, fire in the West is changing the species composition in, in many areas. So it, it's complicated and it, it depends on, on the species, but um, typically trees are adapted to the climate that they've experienced. And when that climate changes, they often, um, they find themselves in a situation that they're not accustomed to. And then how does a global warming affect pests? Or do you see, do we see different pests as the climate has changed? Global warming affects pests in a, in a couple different ways. So we're seeing certain insect pests migrating north uh, into areas where they really didn't survive well in the past because the winters were too cold. So for example, the Southern pine beetle, which is a native bark beetle in the Southeastern United States is killed by temperatures that get, you know, down to zero or so, um, has migrated northward into areas it has never been before. For example, the pine barrens of New Jersey to into New York, even Massachusetts. Now, another impact that happens is that uh, some insects can have multiple generations in one season if the growing season is long enough. And so we're seeing you know, that happen as well. For example, oyster shell scale, which is a, can be a serious pest of trees in Northern Ohio and Michigan, it historically had one generation per year. Now it's having two generations per year. So the populations can build up faster and higher and exert more pressure. In your work, is there anything that you're finding that that you can do to, to mitigate some of this or? Yes, so we have studied that the effects that, that trees can have on mitigating the effects of climate change and for contributing to climate resilience. So uh, trees provide services, that we call it ecosystem services to society by for example, providing shade that reduces electricity consumption, air conditioning. 
they uh, reduced stormwater runoff and increased precipitation and heavy rain events have increased as a result of climate change and trees can dramatically reduce the uh, stormwater runoff in urban environments. Trees sequester and store carbon. And so there is, um, some of your listeners may be familiar with the Trillion Tree Campaign, which uh, is receiving a lot of attention. And, you know, something that you can Google, Trillion Tree Campaign, and efforts, you know, going on across the United States and the world to, to repopulate the urban forest and natural forest with trees. Now, that won't be the only solution, but it'll be part of, of the solution. So planting planting trees that sounds great to me. With with the change in, like you said, Ohio going from five to to zone six, are, can we plant different things that we couldn't plant twenty years ago, or do we kind of stick with the same sort of things? Well, we do need to give thought to which trees to plant, and not just for today's climate, but for tomorrow's climate. So, for example, by mid-century, 30 years out, 40 years out, 50 years out, well within the lifespan of a, tr- a tree that's taken, well taken care of, where Ohio is projected to become a zone seven state as the winters continue um, to warm. And so there are, are many trees that are growing here now that will continue to thrive under those conditions. There are some trees that won't do so well. Sugar maple is predicted to become less important in Ohio, for example, and northern species like birch would probably just kind of forget about spruce is not going to do well. But if you look at the distribution of trees, Ohio has many species that were either like right, you know, dead in the heart of their distribution. So, you know, they extend quite a way south. or we're at the northern edge of their distribution. So, you know, things like sweet gum will do well in Ohio for years to come. Burr oak will do well in Ohio. Red maple, black gum, honey locusts. You know, these trees extend far to our south. And then there are trees that that are native to the south. They're not native to Ohio, but we know from experience that they do well here. So, for example, bald cypress. It's not native to Ohio, but we plant it here. It grows well. River birch is native to southern Ohio, but but it grows very well in northern Ohio. Uh, so, you know, these uh, southern species that we know from experience will do well. And at our Davy research plots, we're going to be trialing trees at our zone six and zone seven species, you know, to see how, how they uh, perform moving forward to help us inform our our recommendations well it's funny that you bring up sugar maple because it's one of the trees that when when i ask an arborist hey what's one of your favorite trees to plant in the landscape i usually expect something strange and you know something completely different but sugar maple comes up a lot and so that's sad to think that that's not going to be as important tree 30 years down the road is there anything else we can be doing to 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 help s- slow this down as a homeowner? Well, there there's the adage, you know, think globally but act locally. 
And so, you know, planting trees can help, you know, with your home energy costs. And Davy Tree and the U.S. Forest Service collaborate on a software, tool of software, um, or package of software tools called iTree. And so iTree is free software that will quantify the benefits that a tree or a population of trees provide, as well as the economic value of those benefits. And there is a module that is called iTree MyTree. And you can just uh, Google iTree MyTree, and you can uh, use that to determine the value of the services that the trees in your your yard are providing. And you can also use that to select the location to plant trees uh, that will maximize the benefits that those trees provide if you're interested. So, you know, those kind of things. Um, and then of course, you know, other, th other things that you can, anything that you can do to, you know, reduce your carbon footprint and encourage policies that do so because the biggest question mark in terms of how warm the climate is going to get in the future is what will be the um, future trajectory of greenhouse gas emissions. Well, from a regular person's standpoint, it's, it's scary and it's depressing. From a scientist's point of view, how do you look at it? We, I, you know, I, I try to look at it empirically. I've been studying and publish, publishing on effects of climate on insects and trees uh, since the uh, early 1990s. And, um, you know, I, I try to look at it in, you know, in a uh, kind of objective, non-passionate way. I try to view the evidence like a juror would rather than as an attorney that's trying to argue a case, you know, in a particular direction. Um, but the, you know, as the as the evidence has accumulated over over the years, I published my first a review article on climate change in 1999, and I go back and review those conclusions, and they've they've just gotten stronger. And, you know, the questions have been answered. The models. Uh, that pre uh, predicted climate change that were published in 1990, looking back at those predictions, they were accurate. Those models have only gotten stronger with uh, mm. and more powerful as supercomputing power has increased and our understanding of the climate system has increased with the tens of thousands of, of articles that have been published. So I, you know, I, I just, I try to look at the overwhelming evidence that, that the, climate is warming and you know what is the cause those are really the two fundamental scientific questions and uh, if you're in a group of people and they don't know who you are and what you do and you overhear this conversation and you have all the science do you step in and say something or do you or do you step away and, and roll your eyes <laughs> i don't step away and roll my eyes i i don't embed myself in political discussions in, in parties and so forth. But if people ask, uh, I'll provide a, you know, a question or I mean an answer to their, to their questions. And, um, 
you know, I try to focus on, on the science. I mean, what I try to do is separate the science from the politics. So there's, there's, you know, two aspects to this one, again, the scientific questions is the climate warming and why, and then there's the policy questions. All right. What should we do about it? What are the ethical implications? You know, these are, you know, value judgments, um, political questions and, and so forth. And, um, you know, I have a lot of people that are very smart that I highly respect that see the world in a different way than I do, but. But I'll, I'll provide an overview of, of the scientific evidence when they ask questions about it. So I always like to ask uh, how you got into this. And especially now with what you're doing, what do you get out of it? Because it seems like very important work to me. Well, I, I, mean, I got into horticulture because my family had a, a greenhouse business and a floral shop. Uh, in Portsmouth, Ohio, where I grew up. And that led me to Ohio State University where I got a degree in horticulture and I, I became interested in plant protection and went on to get a master's degree in horticulture and entomology and a PhD in entomology. And, you know, the, the path into climate was kind of, um, I don't know, serendipitous, I suppose. I was studying the phenology of insects and plants and the effect of heat and temperature on their life cycles since 1980s. And that's become an important discipline, uh, phenology of climate change. I was studying it more from a, from a pest management standpoint, but you know, you couldn't avoid that, uh, hard turn into climate change. And then the same with drought stress. When I started studying drought stress, I was uh, climate change was not on my radar. But again, that became so intimately entwined with climate change that um, you know I just I couldn't avoid that, and it was a, a natural progression. And what I hope to get out of this is you know I hope to increase understanding. I hope to to make impact. I hope to help Davy Tree Expert Company uh, become or you know, strengthen their leadership in uh, the area of, of tree health and its relationship to our environment and to contribute to developing environmental solutions focused on trees. Well, Dan, I'm going to leave it right there. That is great stuff. Uh, and I certainly appreciate uh, all this great information. Uh, it's wonderful to be able to reach out to somebody and get the science of this. And and I like the way you present that as as the the, the juror who is looking at, at the facts. Uh, and so it's, it's enlightening. And thanks for what you're doing uh, as far as your research, too. I think it's wonderful. Thank you, Doug. It's been a pleasure. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Next week, are you buying a house, working on a new plan for the yard? We'll talk about what not to plant and reveal some red flags on existing landscapes. As always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, especially after listening to what Dan had to say today, trees are the answer. <laughs>